Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, welcome back to Thompson to Clark. We took last week off because there was nothing going on it was absolutely nothing we had like one story that we were going to try and stretch out for like 45 minutes and, and then decided you know that wasn't what? gonna work let's just let's just call it a week we'll come back refreshed and we'll and we'll get going so yeah we do have a couple of things to talk about still not super newsworthy because the free agent market is so dead and there are still players out there who we thought would have been snatched up already yeah and nothing is going on well that and and the trade market i mean you know big trades just happened a little while ago before we hit the air but other than that it that, i didn't even see it, it. What, what was it oh so uh jorge polanco from the twins second base is going to the mariners Back to the Twins, our good buddy Disco. He's oh. he's now a twin. So he was a giant, then a Mariner, then a twin in the span of like a couple of weeks. Um, and a couple other prospects. Um, so not not like a huge deal again, but Jerry DePoto just, I mean, he likes to just make deals. So yeah. He's out there going, hey, nothing else is happening. So I'm, I'm surprised he didn't trade uh he didn't trade back again with us. Like I'm surprised we didn't get yeah. Disco again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, here's Disco. We'll take this guy. We'll take it. <laughs> I mean, you know, just spur something, get something going. But oh my gosh, it is things are just very mellow right now. We it's, are what? it's major league baseball is just kicking themselves like for no reason, force yeah. some of this stuff to happen. People are not talking about baseball right now. I mean, they're not yeah. going to talk about it anyways, more than likely because of the NFL is so hot, but right, man, come, you know, spring training is in a, like a couple weeks. Like yeah, what are we 16 doing? Days. The giants pitchers and catchers report in like 16 days. I think it is. I mean, that's how, that's how insane this is that we are 16, just over two weeks away from, from pitchers and catchers reporting, and we still may have some pitchers we're signing. So th- this is, you know, kind of the deal that's going on right now. And Matt Chapman's still out there, and uh, so many, so many top free agents are are still out there. Cody Bellinger, I mean, my gosh, I, I, he's one of the prize possessions, uh, prize players over this off season. I can't believe he's still sitting out there. That's crazy. I mean, there there's even someone who's been tied to us and a, a bunch of different rumors. Uh, Matt Chapman is, is yeah. out there. I heard Justin Turner is about to supposedly make his decision. Like, I don't want to read. Somebody <laughs> is supposed to make their decision soon. That is not a story. That that's the absolute worst because you're sitting there going, "Who's gonna make a decision?" Justin Turner. I don't think that many people care. That's, Maybe that's, that's why they, they put it out there. It's yeah, exactly. it's they want something. more more people to go. Oh yeah, Justin Turner. We, oh yeah, we, we, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we right. need to fill a right-handed. I forgot, I forgot the, the the bearded Muppet is still out there. So I don't know, but I mean that's the whole thing. Is it's so bad that even John Morosi like tied Justin Turner to us because he's a corner infielder. I mean the guy played forty-eight games at in the corner last year, and forty-one of them were at first base. So what kind of corner infielder is that? We're we're not looking for a guy that can play seven games at third base. That's it's certainly not what the giants are looking yeah, for. We already have DH, right-handed, possibly, but, right-handed you 
Like, I would expect yeah. Wilmer to, to take the majority of the bats at right-handed DH. He can play right. some first base. If he's playing anything other than first base, we're in big trouble, as we've talked about over the last few years. Oh, yeah, as we've but seen. as a right-handed DH, great. He, he's he's going to, you know, hit 280, and he's going to hit with a little bit of power. Uh, and, you know, as a first baseman, sure, against left-handed pitching, not not terrible. But, yeah, so I don't understand where Justin Turner would fit unless – they got rid of some right-handed hitting and they yeah, needed a bat it. for like a DH. So, well, I mean, that. you can go, you can go Chapman and um, Justin Turner and then trade away JD Davis. I mean, you you could do something like that, but, but again, you'd have to get a fairly decent return for JD Davis too, because, yeah. you know, but, but I, I think, I mean, Justin Turner has a, has a better OPS plus than, than JD Davis has more power. But, but again, it's, I mean, it's the same guy with a tiny bit of an upgrade, but, but JD Davis can play defense. So I'd rather have Chapman and JD Davis at third, um, you know, and JD Davis comes into spell, plays some DH, does some yeah. different things. Cause then when he gets cold, you get him out of there. And I think Melvin's going to have a better feel for that this year. How much should we subtract from OPS for the fact that he's also a dirty Dodger? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the other thing too. Is like I, should be like minus yeah. two hundred OPS just for being a dirty Dodger. I mean, we've dealt with Jock Peterson and then Ross Stripling. How many more <laughs> ex Dodgers do we need? I think, I think we're. How, how'd you like Ross Stripling going? Hey guys, I have a new pitch. It's called the Death Ball. The, that is probably the greatest thing because it is. It reminded me of. Uh, of uh, Ricky Vaughn naming his pitches. Hey, if you get a piece of this, you get to name it. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, he's out there naming pitches. He's throwing a, a slider that drops. I call it the death ball. The problem with it being the death ball is it could be either, either be the death of the hitter or the, the death of our team because he's giving up home runs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. what well, I, the, Ross yeah. Stripling is one of those, I'll believe it when I see it things sure. because. Uh, he was so average last year, and yes. I know they expected a little bit more. Maybe they shouldn't have expected a little bit more, but he was in kind of like a – he kind of did sucker the Giants into that that option deal, though. I, I always try to give players the benefit of the doubt in their first season in a new organization, new city, all of that stuff. So I expect – better things from players their second season in. I mean, Bonds was just Bonzian his first season in San Francisco. But again, he also grew up there too. So it's yeah. different, but um, you know, you do, you don't get that very often with a player in, 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 you know, a new ballpark, a new city and all of that stuff in their first season, just going crazy. So stripling, I mean, he was all right. Uh, he showed some flashes here and there. Um, be interesting to see what Bob Melvin decides to do with him. Uh, it, I mean, obviously he's going to, have to try to be a starter uh, at the beginning of the season with Cobb and Ray down. Um, so it'll be interesting once those guys come back, if they're healthy. I mean, that's the other thing too. We're talking about a hip surgery for Cobb. Um, are you super confident that he comes back in like April and May and is just like lights out? I, I'm hearing June. Like I saw, an, I yeah. saw something today that said June possibly. Yeah, see that—that's what kind of makes it tough. And then Robbie Ray, we're talking about July. We did get yeah. tickets for for some July games. Yeah, maybe we'll get but to see pitch. But it's be, well, it's before the All Star break. So oh, that's right. That's right. They keep yeah, saying so, like right after the All Star break. I can only hope that it lines up that the two games we go to back to back in July are Webb and Harrison. That, That'd be that's awesome. Kind of, I mean, that would be fantastic. So. 
Also, the Giants have lost uh, some pitching. Obviously, they traded Desclafani. Uh, Sean Manea, mm-hmm. he left. Uh, Junis is gone. And <laughs> Alex Wood always up to no good. <laughs> Who signs with the Oakland A's? That, that almost never happens. <laughs> that has to be one of those things where he signs and he says, all right, guys, I've, I'm getting this nice deal, nice-ish deal. I fully expect to be traded before the trade deadline and end up somewhere else on a contender. I'm going to bring you back some prospects, but in return, you're going to give me a little bit of cash here. So, yeah. um, and what the was ability to and the ability to start because yeah, last year Gabe was like, "Eh, Wood, you're coming in in like the third inning." That's the other thing too is I think the Oakland A's are going to give him that chance to start. Um, what was his deal? You, while you're looking it up. Yeah, yeah. Did you read Ken Rosenthal's piece on the Oakland A's that was in the Athletic uh, this week? No, I have not gotten to that yet. So, okay, I, here here's the best thing about it. Is it sad? It. Well, it's sad because he just doesn't think that they're going to make it work. He's like, they have so many yeah. things working against them here. But Dave Caval, the, the president of the Oakland A's, and a gentleman that I spent uh, a couple of hours with watching a baseball game in his box, in his luxury box. Yeah. He said they were going to get up to average payroll when they were in Las Vegas. Average payroll is uh, 160 to 170 uh, million. Last okay. year, I think the A's were like 50 or something. Like I don't that. even think they were 50. I think <laughs> I, I want to say they were closer to like 30 or 40, like 35, 40, somewhere in there. But was, like, how do you like triple your payroll <laughs> in a year? You don't have to pay for the stadium. I mean, it's taxpayer but, but, dollars. But even like if you're a free agent, are you saying, okay, the A's are suckers. They're going to give me more than I'm worth because they want to get up to this ceiling or like, but, or, or they're just going to go, oh yeah, we have these young players and we're just going to extend them for good money before they, you know, which is not what they do. Usually they wait right. until the end and then they trade them so i just found that fascinating like if you're an oakland A's fan you're like why didn't you get up to average payroll when you were in oakland like what yeah. like and just the fact that oakland is in the 10th uh rated media market and when you go to vegas it's like the 40th yeah which is it, it's kind of interesting it's it's a touch higher than reno i mean that's and Reno is like it was a hundred and something, and and I think Vegas was a little bit higher. But yeah, it, why did why not do that when you had Chapman and Olson and Simeon? I mean, you had all stars, you had players that could help you win. And and if you win, what do you do? You draw more fans into the stadium, even though it's a dump. But Sla- still, yeah, slap in the face, man. Just yeah. nothing but slaps in the face to Oakland A's fans on the way out. Yeah, I, and I I have a buddy who. Um, he plays in our in our football and our baseball uh, fantasy leagues and has for years. I uh, used to work with him and he retired, but he he's a hardcore A's fan. And and so I asked him a couple of weeks ago, I was like, well, so what do you do now? Do you, you know, he lives here in Reno. I said, do you follow them to Vegas or are you, are you a fan while they're in Vegas and everything else? He goes, 
He goes, no, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. Oh, wow. goes, I, I'm a Diamondbacks fan now because we have the Reno Aces here. And he goes, I bought season tickets. So I'm going to all the Aces game. I'm watching these guys come up, become uh, Diamondbacks. I like the way they run the organization. And and he was an A's fan since like he used to talk about the A's in the 60s and how great they were when mm-hmm. he was a kid. So that I mean, that's how bad it is. We have A's fans that are turning their back who have been A's fans for like 50 years. So um, they're just ruining that organization at that, at that point, you got to change the name of the team. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're, you got to go down to Vegas and just change it all, just start all over. Cause that's the other thing too. Now, you, now you have this stigma tied to the organization with the name of the Oakland A's or the Las Vegas athletics. You, you got to change it. You got to change the color scheme. You got to change everything. There's no way you can carry all that with you. Did you find uh, Alex Wood's deal? No, I didn't. I still, I, I'm not. Nobody, maybe they don't want to announce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see a number, so I was kind of surprised that you had it. Yeah, it, I keep looking. It just says he's going to, you know, he's signing with the A. So maybe it wasn't officially even announced. Yeah, yet, maybe they think, haven't even. Yeah, it's just it an yet. agreement. Two day, two. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up on Spot Track because. All right. So what we're gonna maybe. do. For the rest of the show, we got a couple different things we're going to talk about. First is uh, based on what we've been talking about, where the Giants are going to have to pick up some innings here, and they're going to have to do it with young pitching unless they sign the guys that we've been talking about, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, guys like that who are out there still. We've been talking about this. Spring training is right around the corner. All of these guys are still unsigned. And you know what's going to suck is it's like, oh, yeah, Giants signed Jordan Montgomery. He's like, oh, I uh, I need to get into shape. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I haven't been throwing. <laughs> Why haven't you been throwing, man? That's going to suck. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about Kyle Harrison because I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'm yeah. starting to see, like last year we were so excited when Kyle Harrison came up, but also – he came up, but they did not really let him loose. Like that wasn't right. the reason for bringing him up. It wasn't to just kind of let him, you know, like he, he started seven games. He, his average start was under five innings. We kind of knew that was going to happen. Uh, his strikeout was, you know, one, one strikeout per inning. Uh, but I just, it, it's a little mind boggling to me that you take a kid who threw 34 innings in your um in the big leagues but they also really tried to to make it as if you know he wasn't going to overthrow he wasn't going to throw too many they were sort of bringing him up in this way to to make sure that they took care of him and I'm going to look up his minor league stats here for last year mm-hmm. too cuz he did throw 30 through 34.2 uh, three innings with the big club, and he threw 65.2 innings, uh, 67.2 innings in the minors. So still barely got over 100 innings last year. And so you're telling me, Giants, that this kid who threw barely over 100 innings, um, and that that would have been the most innings that he'd, he's thrown – uh, since I guess he would have thrown 113 the year before. So that guy is going to be throwing big innings for the Giants this year because I read that, uh, you know, he had talked to, uh, is it Price? Is that, that's the new, the new yeah, Brian coach? Price. Brian Price. 
he he had talked to Brian Price about getting upwards of like 115 to 120 pitches per start. And this is a kid who wasn't even allowed to throw 80 last year. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy to me. Do, do you have any expectations on like, let's say starting, you know, start the year. It's like Logan Webb rolls out first. And then number two is whomever, you know, unless it has to be like Ross Stripling or something, but then, you know, three or four five slot is Kyle Harrison to start the season. I mean, is there an expectation that this dude's throwing six? Is he throwing bull? Like, are we using openers with him to kind of get him through those first two in it? Like, I just, I'm trying to envision what the expectation is for him. Somebody who is a top, top prospect for them at the same time. Yeah, that's the whole thing, too, is I, I wouldn't push it above 150 innings in terms of, of expectation, and that's what they're talking about also for for Jordan Hicks, um, 150 innings on the season, but you're talking about Jordan Hicks possibly in the bullpen the second half of the season. I, mean, I, I don't even know what to think yet with Kyle Harrison. That would be like 30 starts, five innings a start. That would get you to 150. Yeah, that that could get you there. Um, Is he going to be, you know, maybe asked to throw more innings kind of early on and then second half of the season when Ray and Cobb are back, kind of dial him back a little bit to every sixth uh, day, Um, you know, treat him like like Shohei um, and do that with him. I don't know. Uh, you can also go five innings, and then at that point, two second and a half of the season, you got Stripling in there um, that can kind of eat up a couple innings to bridge you to the bullpen. Um, but but when you look at the Giants and you look at them as a whole, and we'll still talk about you know I'll keep talking about Kyle Harrison, but when you look at the Giants as a whole, twenty twenty five, so not this season, but the following season. Cobb will be gone, but then you're looking at, you know, possibly Webb, Ray, Harrison, Hicks, Stripling uh, could still be there. Um, Beck, Win. I put Stripling in there, but he, he's at, he's gone after this season. I would imagine, right? Because he was a he was a one year with a one year right option. Right. So Beck, Win, Wizenhunt. Uh, Black and Kaiway Tang. So some of those guys could also come up and eat some innings this season because they're on the 40 man. I mean, you're t- we, we know Beck and Win. we've seen them um, and we know what they can do. So, so that's not a, a gigantic issue. So I think the Giants can kind of play with that and they can get to Harrison to 150 without having to do the shutdown. That's what I always fear is the, you know, Giants are in the hunt and all of a sudden it's August and we're talking about a young pitcher and having to possibly shut him down. Mm-hmm. You know, strategically what they could do because yeah. of, like you said, they don't get Ray and Cobb until later in midseason. Right. Maybe you just go gangbusters with Harrison with the idea that you you throw him early in the season. And if he gets a little burnout, you can put him on a little bit of a vacation because you are getting arms. And so, you know, maybe he takes like a two week break or maybe he throws some a few bullpen games where he's only throwing two or three innings. And then you kind of save his arm a little bit and then build him back up as he feels better. They could do something like that. I just don't know the strategy or the science or whatever behind doing something like that. I don't know if it's better for him to throw 150 innings over 
35 starts or 150 innings over 25 starts. And then, you know, and then he's got these 10 other appearances where there there's less, there's less innings and less pitches on his arm. Well, I, I know everybody's going to laugh at me, but I mean, if the giants can sneak into that final wild card spot, uh, then what do you do with him in the playoffs? See, and that's the thing too, is back in the day, our expectation was, you know, you get a guy, he can throw 200, 250 innings, maybe even 300 if he was a Steve Carlton. I mean, he, he could go. Yeah, Randy Johnson. Three, Randy Johnson, 250 to 300. Then when you get to the playoffs, they're going to try to go eight or nine innings because that's the type of, of pitcher they were. Yeah. And then you just dealt with the offseason, the shorter offseason because you were in the playoffs and everything else. It's not like that anymore. There really is kind of a build to save arms for the push at the end of the season. Um, are again, you, we, you got to win games early. Dodgers again, just in a very <laughs> subtle way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite possible. <laughs> I mean, when we talk about, you know, when we talk about getting to September, October and blowing it, we always talk about the Dodgers, right? I mean, that's yeah. So I find, I find the conversation roll. pretty interesting right now because last yeah. year, they didn't want anything to do with these young arms coming in to right. throw big innings. And now it's like the reverse, like, Oh, we have these young arms who are ready to give us big innings. And I'm like, man, where did the, the change in the <laughs> strategy go? It's crazy. Uh, it, it really is crazy because I, as a baseball fan, I don't know about you, but I certainly miss watching pitchers regularly gutted out and go to the eighth inning and sometimes the ninth inning that that's fun baseball for me. Um, and that's the only thing that I feel like analytics kind of screwed up is the third time through the order. This is what happens. Um, but I mean, there's nothing like that. And that's why I really, really, really enjoy having Logan Webb mm -hmm. on the team. Um, you know, that's the type of guy there. There was a little blurb today. I, you, you know, you know, Saris, um, yes. We like to read him. Super nerdy guy. If you ever hear yeah, him yeah, on podcast, super analytic. A lot. You have to yeah, use yeah. basically a glossary for yes. terms when he writes because <laughs> I don't understand all of it. He he put together a list of the top 150 pitchers based off of stuff plus. I had to even look. I don't even know what stuff plus is, but I just had to assume, and I think I was kind of right. It's but like it's, a fan graph stat, I guess. Yeah, it's a fan graph stat that, that's based on their stuff like breaking pitches off speed, different things, sliders, cutters that play off of their primary pitch, which most of them is a fastball. So mm -hmm. based on their, their fastball speed and movement, how do their stuff play off of that fastball pitch? Well, Kyle Harrison came in at 74. Logan Webb was number nine on the list, which is great. Kyle Harrison came in at 74. And again, it's a prediction based as well. Like, you know, this is how they're also going to do during the season or whatever. Um, but Kyle Harrison's stuff plus was rated at um, uh, 89. And just to give you some, some uh, comparison here, Logan Webbs was 116 in the top. Spencer Strider is 132, which is pretty high. Uh, again, th these are all new things to us, but I'll, I'll read you the parts that aren't nerdy so basically he talks about you know he has a 94 mile an hour fastball with two plane movement from the left side means that harrison's fastball is above average his stuff plus says it's his only above average pitch and batters seem to agree as they've slugged 500 plus um 
on the rest of his offerings, while the 176 batting average and 379 slugging off the fastball are both good numbers. So, so it kind of is basically saying like he's got to throw the fastball. Fastball kind of has to be the out pitch. Um, and we knew that too. We know he's got a, a nasty curveball, big old slider, all that other fun stuff. Uh, he also says maybe converting the slurve to a sweeper could make it work, but you're probably asking for a new pitch for him to break out. Uh, that's something to look forward to in the spring to kind of see if he uh, reinvents himself just a little bit uh, to deal with um, the, the stuff not being super fantastic. But his location plus is a 98 and his pitching plus is a 97. So take that for what it's worth. It's nerd talk. We have fun with it. We don't fully understand all of it, but that's part of the 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 game that uh, that I like what analytics have done, and that's kind of given us more deeper things to look at. Uh, it also helps us in fantasy, believe it or not, because we, we look at some of this nerd stuff <laughs> and go, hey, man, here's a guy to pick up. His stuff plus is ridiculous. So. Yeah, Logan Webb is a good fantasy pickup because he throws a lot of innings, and by throwing a lot of innings, he's generally going to get strikeouts too just because nobody throws lots of innings anymore yeah for sure for starters at least obviously relievers can can rack up Mm -hmm. the strike zones or the strikeouts as well bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so we have two things that we're going to talk about here. One is our Bitter Giants fans segment in which we usually have fun with, though <laughs> I'm not sure the Dodger fans see us as having fun with. Sometimes ah. they can get really mad at us. We're ha- we're going to have fun with uh, this. Uh, this I guess it's, um, it's a giveaway that the Giants are doing. Uh, first 15,000 fans on June 30th when they play the Dodgers will get Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> we'll talk about that, and then we're going to um, we're going to do something that I started last night on. Uh, we want winners after the 49ers beat the Lions, and so many lucky things had to happen. <laughs> hey, that's football, man! Oh I tell gosh. you, as a rant, that's why I told you right after I said you got to be lucky. I mean, you cannot win championships with some luck sprinkled in there. I know with the Rams on their Super Bowl run, I mean, God, they're 
flip the switch one way and it and it ends and you're not even there in the Super Bowl. So. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is at the last segment of this show, we're going to relive a season through a player's eyes uh, of our choosing. And the the whole key to it is you have to take everything. So you could say, oh, I want to relive 93 bonds. It's like, okay, that's one of the greatest <laughs> giant seasons of all time. But then you have to lose to the Dodgers in the last game of the regular season and miss mm. the playoffs. So you got to deal no. with that. Uh, so we're going to do that at the last second. But before we get to both of those, real quick, uh, we'll, we'll do the uh, what, what are we drinking today? I ha- I've, I've been, you know, not that Reddit is necessarily the best place for the greatest information, but I noticed on Reddit, in some of the in the whiskey Reddit subreddit, a lot of people really like that Jack uh, Jack Daniels bonded. Yes, like that's a really popular. Yeah. I, and some I get I don't know where these awards come from, but I guess it won awards probably for like you know I guess not expensive whiskey or whatever, or maybe commercial brand whiskey or something. And so uh, I picked some more of that up because if we had got it. I think probably right when when I saw it for the first time, I'd got some. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to give it a try. You know, I'm a Jack Daniels fan. Like, who, yeah. who hasn't had good a stuff. lot of Jack Daniels in their youth, especially? Uh, like, like, you just heard the name. And so if you don't really know a lot about it, like, oh, I've heard of Jack Daniels. Sure, give me the Jack Daniels. But um, so I had some bonded, and I mixed it with uh, some Diet or, or Cherry Coke Zero. So I went to the I went to the grocery store and got some uh, cherry coke and uh, and some Jack Daniels bonded. So nothing fancy, nothing special. Though I did have another Manhattan this weekend when we went out to dinner, uh, and uh, so I, I did have one of those. So that was sort of my fancy drink for the weekend. And I'm going back to the old faithful Jack and Coke. I so I. Blew my wad on my alcohol usage this weekend. We, went, uh, we stayed one <laughs> night, Saturday night, and uh, I did fine. I woke up fine. Yeah. But, but Saturday, we went to uh, the new Margaritaville Resort in Lake Tahoe. Um, and with that grand opening night that we purchased, you get two free drinks, $50 resort voucher and all kinds of other fun stuff. So, and we love it. It's right next to Heavenly Village in South Tahoe. And we love that area. We go a couple times a year and just kind of hang out um, and, and hang out in the village and stuff. And so we got there and uh, had lunch, got a beer. Then we went across the street to South Lake Brewing Company, had a couple of eight ounces, didn't go there crazy. Go. It was kind of saving it. Then we get back to the resort and the guy making the drinks, we give him the free drink things. And, you know, I'm thinking he's just going to like house margarita or mm-hmm. something like that. And he goes, he goes, I don't care. Whatever you want. You just tell me I'll make it. I said, Oh, okay. Um, let's go. Uh, I said, I'll, I'll just do an old fashioned. I said, do you make a good old fashioned? He goes, Oh yeah, it's great. So I said, okay, perfect. So he makes an old fashioned. I swear there had to be like four ounces of bourbon in that sucker. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was a strong one. Uh, and then we went to dinner, ended up ordering this uh, pineapple bourbon drink that was good. I, I enjoyed it. And then our food was taking forever. And the manager comes over and a new place, Jimmy Buffett's Steakhouse. Um, and I ordered like the bouillabaisse, so all the seafood. 
And he, and he goes, have you ever tried the all right, all right, all right? And I said, no, I have never. I said, I've, this is our first time here. He goes, let me get that for you. He goes, it's on the house. So he brings it over and it is like, it tastes like a banana's foster dessert. Oh, wow. It's like banana and wild turkey long branch bourbon. And when I finished that, I was like, all right. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to walk back to the room, but we're going to, we're going to do our best here. So, <laughs> so, so then yesterday I got home, I was like, I'm not going to have anything. And then tonight, long story short, too late. I, uh, I got myself a, a Guinness, just a nice 4% beer. Cause I thought I'm going to take it a little bit easier tonight. Um, but we had, a, we had a really good time. I highly recommend if you're in the South Tahoe area. The, and if you like Jimmy Buffett, if you like that lifestyle, the chill lifestyle, it's a really cool place. The rooms are awesome. Uh, they, they did it up really well. Everybody there is super nice. And there's live music in the lobby like every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. So it's not a commercial for the place, but highly recommend. When you were... Uh... When you were walking back around the the resort and stuff, were you doing yeah, yeah. like the Eddie Murphy delirious, <laughs> where he's like impersonating his stepdad, just going like, "It's beautiful." <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I felt because before the woman who was singing in the lobby, she had a fantastic voice. So when I was working on that old fashioned, I when we were done, I gave her a five dollar bill because I was like, "Man, her voice was phenomenal." And we listened to like her play like 10 songs. So yeah, like, oh, you give her five. Then when we, and then when we saw her, when she finished her set after dinner, we're walking by her. She goes, Oh, thank you very much. And I just went, you're awesome. <laughs> and I just kept walking because I thought I cannot hold conversation at this point. <laughs> so it's just, just like, yeah, uh, she's like, thank you very much. I said, thank you. Uh, you're awesome. <laughs> keep walking. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's talk about this uh, Mickey Mouse ears thing here. Yes. So I want you to tell me because I was not aware of this controversy that Dodgers fans are going through. And I'll tell you how I came, uh, how I heard about this. So there is like a meme going around that the 2020 world series championship, which we've always said was like, not, not even like it's like half of a title. Right. But to Dodgers fans, they have a stigma about it. And, People call it the Mickey Mouse World Series title. I have not heard that before. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I remember growing up as a kid, a lot of times if you said like, oh, that's the, you know, uh, that that's a Mickey Mouse bike, dude. That thing's broken down. It's not, Yeah, yeah, it's, I've heard that. I've heard yeah. that before, but I never heard the World Series called a Mickey Mouse I, championship. I've seen it. I've seen pictures of, you know, Mickey Mouse with the Dodgers championship ring on and stuff <laughs> like that. So, but, but again, it's, it's kind of funny now because Disney is a multi-billion dollar corporation. So when you call something Mickey Mouse, it kind yeah. of has a different meaning nowadays. Yeah. Um, it's not a, it's not a fun theme park for kids anymore. It's like, a, you know, it's powerhouse. a corporation. It is, yeah, like you said, powerhouse. Um, so to have it called that is kind of funny. But when I saw that, yeah, when I first saw that, I thought, you know, maybe a coincidence. I didn't really think too much of it, but, but, but it is funny. I mean, when you, when you do equate it to that and you say, okay, yeah, Mickey Mouse championship, 
Mickey Mouse ears. Okay, I get it. Um, but you know, it's not going to have it's not going to have a Dodgers ring on it. It's not going to have any kind of Dodger logo or anything else like that. We haven't seen pictures. I don't, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but I haven't seen pictures I haven't. yet. Yeah, but but it is it is a veiled shot because when I go to Disneyland, I do have some giant stuff that had the Mickey Mouse like logo on it and everything mm-hmm. else, and so I'll wear it into Disneyland too. So it's another thing. That if I can get that off of eBay afterwards, yeah. Um, well, well, we got to find someone who's going to the game who'll just yeah. send it to you for like twenty bucks or something. Exactly, get a couple of those. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a veiled shot at the Dodgers. I don't think it's as big of a deal as most people online made it out to be. But if you mention it to a Dodger fan, they get very angry about it. So, okay, see, I had the opposite experience in that. Okay. That's how I knew about it sure. was because a Dodgers fan reached out to me oh. and said, Giants organization is now trolling the Dodgers because they're jealous that the Dodgers signed all of these players. And I said, what do you mean? Like, what did they do? And he said, well, there's Mickey Mouse ears day when the Dodgers are in town. And I was like, oh, I just thought because, you know, there there is a, LA and Anaheim and Disney SoCal like relationship there that makes sense but he said no they are making fun of our pandemic championship and I said oh I did not put that together like that thank you for putting that together for me so so Dodger fans are putting it that Dodgers before we put it together (laughs) Dodgers fans believe this is a shot that the Giants organization is taking at them interesting And and so I said okay well, how do you feel about that championship? He's like, it's a Mickey Mouse championship. And I said, <laughs> okay, then why are you mad at us? We're just telling it like it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a half a championship. But you know what? I, I guess I didn't realize that Dodger fans sort of feel that that one doesn't really count. Like they want a yeah. real one. And oh, that's what is 100%. so frustrating for them is that they have the best team going into the playoffs and then they can't get the job done. And it almost makes that pandemic championship like even worse, the longer that it gets that they can't win a regular one. So I, that's the part yeah. that I didn't, I guess I just didn't understand the fandom in that way. I was just like, Oh yeah, you guys got one. We'll make fun of it because that's just what we're going to do. But they actually feel similarly that I, I found that to be fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, bottom line is I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't look at that 2020 season and think it was weird. Oh, I mean, the whole gosh. thing, uh, giants final home game was a road game. Right? <laughs> I mean, at Oracle park or at the time, that was our final game of the season. And the Padres were the home team. And, Wait, and we so, didn't I mean, have we didn't have fans back yet, right? It was no, just and, and cardboard no, cutouts. <laughs> yeah, cardboard cutouts and no fans and seven inning games and yeah. Bumgarner throws a no hitter and a and a seven inning complete game, but it doesn't <laughs> count as a no hitter because it wasn't nine innings. But even though it was a, an official seven inning game, the mad um, um, just the whole thing was ridiculous, and so so it's a ridiculous ring, and it's a Mickey Mouse ring. The and Mickey that that, that would have been amazing. Now, yeah, yes, Mickey Mouse the, rings. If the Giants would have given out Mickey Mouse rings, that would have been trolling one hundred and ten percent. Absolutely, absolutely. I there think, but that's the thing though. We didn't have any rings that we could give out other than 
I don't know, the three from 2010, 2012, and 2014. But they weren't going to do that because this is the anniversary year. 2014 team, yeah. Of, yeah, of 2014. So there's probably going to be a replica 2014 ring giveaway one of the days. Um, but but that being said, I think also they want to give Giants fans, because, I mean, Northern California, Southern California, lots of people from the Bay Area go to Disneyland. Yeah. So this gives them something with a giant SF logo on it Truck to wear it right at the park in Disneyland, right in front of everybody's faces. I go to Disneyland. I'll wear a Rams hat. Um, I see tons of Rams jerseys and everything else. Um, but when I wear giants hats and you see a lot of people in giants gear walking around, especially in October, when we go for fall break, you see giants fans in, in orange and black and, uh, you know, we, we pick each other out in a crowd. So to have that extra something with Disneyland on it, with Mickey mouse on it, it's going to be awesome. So, Did I tell you, I saw Barry Bonds at Disneyland one time. Did you really? Yeah. You can, I mean, oh, you can't cool. miss that dude because it was the time in which he was still like a giant human. He's not like, oh, yeah, no, he's not normal size Barry like he is now. Yeah. But yeah, we we, we were just at Disneyland and he was just kind of hanging out with the family. Oh, not not, cool. not too many people bothering him either. So that was well, that, I mean, Southern California, they didn't want to get their asses kicked. <laughs> they didn't want to get mean mugged. I saw uh, Jeff Samarja there. No way. Um, Another guy who will stand out like in a crowd. (laughs) I recognized him right away. But this was uh, probably like two years after he pitched for the Giants. or Actually, it was a year after he pitched for the Giants. And I saw him and uh, I just kind of nodded at him and he looked away. I don't think he didn't want to be recognized or anything else. And then the other famous person that I saw there was the great John Lithgow. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was... He, I think he was trying to hide because he was wearing a hat. But that guy is enormous. He's like 6'8". I mean, he's a big dude. He was wearing a baseball hat and a Hawaiian shirt. And I'm like, if you're trying – I mean, you're 6'8 with yeah. a Hawaiian shirt on. You're not hiding from anybody. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get into our last segment, the – relive it's relive week we're going to do this on That's the right. lineup as well as long as nice. i can get uh ben cruz to, to jump on with me because brian is in london right now brian, That's brian right, sent man. me photos of the pub that they show uh on ted lasso he he visited oh, the actual nice. pub that is oh. the 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 spot for ted lasso so that That's was cool. So, cool so he's having he's having a good time yeah but he's gone for like 10 days i was like man long Jeez. business trip dude uh, I so I know me too. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the idea, like I mentioned, you're reliving a season again through the eyes of, of a specific player. And, uh, on the 49ers one that we did last night with, uh, with Rod, I chose uh 1990 Joe Montana. Cause that was like his last great 49ers season. They win the super bowl. And, you know, two years later, he's, he's gone essentially. Uh, and uh, Rod did the year before through the eyes of uh, Jerry Rice. They win the Super Bowl that year to a little bit of a tougher season. You know, they did lose. They they were on the cusp of maybe not even making the playoffs, but that's what he chose. Uh, so we're doing this through the eyes of, uh, of of a Giants player. And I think you you kind of had yours pretty much when I asked you, but you had to think through it a little bit to make sure you wanted to deal with maybe not winning the World Series, and you had to be okay with that. Yeah, I I did, because it was one of the first seasons I can remember 
really, really dialed in to the batting title chase because one of our guys was in it. So I went with 1989 Will Clark. Uh, probably still arguably that was his best season, right? I mean, after that, he had some good seasons in Texas, some decent seasons in Baltimore. Um, but that season, 1989, uh, with the Giants, I, I think was his absolute best. Um, that was a team. Now you probably have your memory is like way better than mine when it comes to this stuff. You know why? Um, it's because I was always reading media guides. That's yeah, why. exactly. <laughs> See, and I yeah, and I I was I was into like all of baseball. So like 1989, yeah. I could tell you you know what the Red Sox were doing, what the Royals were doing, the A's, the Giants, the Cubs. I could tell you all of that stuff. Um, but you know, mostly Giants stuff. But but the opening day starters in 1989, you got Butler, Clark, Terry Kennedy, Maldonado, Kevin Mitchell, Rick Russell on the mound, Robbie Thompson, Jose Uribe, and Matt Williams. Mm -hmm. Um, That wasn't the lineup obviously, but that that was your opening day starters. Um, That was a, that was a fun team. Do you know who played the most games at third base that year in 1989? (sighs) Let me think about this. 1989. 89. Most games at third base. Oh, gosh. Um, Okay. I I don't know, but I will say that the the great pinch hitting Ken Oberkfell was on that team, but he was past his prime as a third baseman, so I don't think it was him. He was way past his his prime. Number 10, Ken Oberkfell. Third base, most games play the third base. 83 games for Ernest the Furnace. Oh, Riles. man, I should have known <laughs> that one. What else did Ernest Riles do? Do you remember? Yeah, he hit like what the uh, 10,000th home run in the Giants history. That's right. Yeah. I yep. don't remember what year that was. I think it was 90, 91, maybe. I can't Something remember like exactly. that. Yeah. Uh, but, but Will Clark had a battle with Tony Gwynn throughout that season. And. They went into, let's see, let me just, I want to make sure I get all the right stats on Will Clark here. Um, In 1989, Will Clark, he batted 332 in the first half and 335 in the second half. So super consistent. 321 against lefties, 340 against righties. That that 321 against lefties is amazing. That is, especially, I mean, because he didn't, it tells you he didn't really have a hole in his swing. If you try to pitch him inside, he was still going to crush you. Yeah. He was going to turn on and just rip it down the line. Not necessarily hit a home run, but he he would just, he was a great pool hitter. He was a great all field hitter, but just a fantastic pool hitter. He would hit some rockets to right field. Um. 325 at home, 341 on the road. Uh, he finished uh, – I, I didn't believe this one when I saw it, too, because he's not a leadoff hitter, but he finished first in the National League and run scored with 104. Mm-hmm. Second in hits with 196. Third in RBIs with 111. Fourth in doubles with 38. And here's a good one. Third in triples with nine. Tells you what kind of season he had. Spray yeah, hitter. Jose Canseco <laughs> called him a three-toed sloth with no yeah. arms, and he still hit that's, nine triples. That's all he had to do is go, Jose, <laughs> I finished third in 1989 in triples. Nine. Uh, 546 slugging. On base was 407. 
So they go into the final uh, three games of the season. Will Clark is leading the batting race with 333 and Gwynn is 332. And they're playing against each other. So I don't know if you remember that. That was a fantastic three-game series to watch on TV because we're sitting there going, man, the Giants are wrapping this thing up. They're winning the West. And now they got to deal with Will Clark needs to stay hot, (laughs) get some hits. Tony Gwynn goes seven for 13 in the series. (laughs) Will's like pitching staff. Come on. Help a brother out. He's like, what am I supposed to? How am I supposed to? I got to go. Now I got to go. I got to go six for 13. He goes four for 12. So he finishes, goes into the final day of the season, three, three, or Final three game series, 333, finishes 333. Gwynn goes from 332 to 336, wins the batting title. And of course, the Giants go on to uh, play the Cubs in the NLCS. I went to game five that Will Clark shot up the middle in the oh, bottom yeah. of the eighth. I was at that game, left field bleachers. The place was rocking. I think it was rocking more than the, than the earthquake. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. Um, but that was the famous series where the game one in Chicago, he reads Greg Maddox lips or the pitching coach. I think he read um, the lips of the manager, right? So it's something about going to pitch him inside. No, I think it, I think it was Maddox because they believe that because of that moment, people started shielding their words into their gloves uh, after that moment. Yeah, that's right. And so game one, he hits two home runs. He hits a grand slam and a solo shot, goes four for four, drives in six runs, uh, and then goes on the rest of the series. What did he hit, like 660? In him, that and Mark, him and Mark Grace going oh, mano a mano in that series. Yeah, and that was insane, too, because Mark Grace was up there in, in the season in batting as well. Um, Sandberg had a great season, but Giants go on to win it in five. And then on to the 1989 World Series. We know how that goes. First two games, sluggish, did not play well. Go down 2-0 to the A's. Earthquake happens. What is it, 10 days later it yeah, resumes, so I think? Long break. Very long break. And then we everybody gets to go back to their number one and number two starters again. Giants just cannot even pull out a game. I had tickets for game five for the World Series. Oh, wow. Um because that would have been in Oakland, right? First two games were in San Francisco. No, I think the first two games. No, no, were first two games were in Oakland. Yeah. So it was in San Francisco. It was at Candlestick. I had um, a, some one of those, you know, one of the boxes up there. Uh, my uncle's corporation or something had, and so we had game five tickets, and it never happened. Yeah, um, but that that was brutal. But great season by Will Clark. He ended up hitting um, on the season three thirty three. Uh, Rest of the stats were just absolutely insane. 111 ribs. You know, you know, uh, was the Pacific Sock Exchange. Oh yeah, I had that post. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, one of the fascinating stats. Okay, so you think about Kevin Mitchell, the Giants trade for Kevin Mitchell in '87. '87, right? He's like first he's like game a, in Wrigley, two home runs, right? He's like a third baseman at this yeah. point, right? He's just like a third baseman who can't really play third base, and they figure <laughs> out you know, that he needs to be an outfielder. So in 88, he goes to the outfield. And all of a sudden, he becomes like a home run hitter, like a power hitter. Then in 89, he's he's like, what did he hit? 47 jacks, maybe, in 89? Uh, so, yeah, 47. Yep. So he 
it, he t- he he's the reason why Clark didn't win the MVP because they had the the top two guys in the MVP voting and, and Kevin Mitchell wins. But in '88, Will Clark has intentionally walked 27 times. Jeez. In '89, with Kevin Mitchell hitting right behind him, he's only intentionally walked 14 mm-hmm. times. In 88, Will Clark has 100 walks on the season. In 89, he only has 74. So you could correlate the 282 batting average in 1988 to 333, not to say that it is solely because he's getting more pitches to hit. He, he was also on one. He, was all, he also just had a better season. Yeah, But oh, yeah. that is a 50-point increase in batting average. That's and crazy. a... Uh, a uh, thirty, like a like a thirty six point increase in slugging, and like a almost a sixty point increase in OPS. So all of that is just because he had a guy hitting behind him, and so he yeah. they had to throw to him, and so that 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 was uh, I always like that part of it because it just shows you what happens when you have somebody hitting behind you that the team fears. Like you, you're just gonna get more pitches to hit, and Clark proved yeah. it by hitting you know, almost 50 points or over 50 points higher on the batting average. So I thought that was uh, that's a pretty cool stat. Yeah. Something we need to do this year. Bad. <laughs> we need, we need to not, not have guys that you can walk, get on the base paths. They clog it up because they can't run because yeah. that's the other thing too. Right now you can walk giants batters because they're so slow on the base paths. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're just stationary station, the station yeah. baseball. And then, <laughs> then you get guys on, then they strike out and then you go back and, yeah. Back on defense. Uh, a couple of interesting things about Clark. You know, he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. He didn't even hit 300 home runs for his entire right. career. But uh, MVP voting, 1987, is still his highest home run total in 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 his history. 35 jacks in 87. So second full year. In the league, he finishes fifth in the MVP voting. 88, he also finishes fifth in the MVP voting. 89, he is second in the MVP voting only to Kevin Mitchell. He wins his first of two Silver Sluggers. In uh, 91, he is fourth in the MVP voting, even though they were not a good team at that time. He wins his second uh silver slugger award and his only gold glove was in 1991 and then uh his his uh 1994 year which was strike shortened season uh he actually finishes 15th in the mvp his first year in texas but i always look to that 1998 season that he has because you know clark goes from 29 jacks in 1991 And he doesn't hit 20 home runs for another seven years. And all of a sudden in 98, now I'm not saying Will (laughs) Thrill was juicing. No. Because he still looked like he had like just skinny arms, but he does hit 23 home runs. Kind of like a comeback season for him in 1998. And he has like kind of like a, a retro year, 23 jacks, 102 RBI at his year 34 season so he kind of he had to show them he's like look i got one i got one more like <laughs> one really left. good season in me and he stayed healthy which was the other thing because all, all those other years that he didn't get to 20 jacks again he was missing at least 
you know, 25 to 30 games and even more in some oh, yeah. every season. So we need to go back and look at the farmer's almanac and see how warm it was in Texas that summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in yeah. 1998. Maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. Cause yeah, it all of a sudden pop up to 23 home runs when you're hitting 12 and 13. But yeah, he was injured. He had some, didn't he have leg issues? Um, he had lots of issues. And some of it was because yeah. he didn't really believe in like, the physical fitness aspect of it. He didn't want to feel too bulky because he liked his swing. You know, he's a he's a good old boy too. He didn't yeah. he wasn't gonna, you know, he was gonna take his time off and he wasn't gonna necessarily be running bleachers and stuff. That just wasn't his style. So yeah. Okay. Mine. I'll do mine uh pretty quickly here. So so we don't we don't spend too much more time on this. I was like, oh, we're going to have a short show today, and uh, we're already at the 55-minute <laughs> mark. Uh, so mine is uh, very similar to yours in sort of how it lays out because yours had Will Clark losing the batting average title in the last series of the season. And my guy actually won the batting title. I am not the biggest Buster Posey fan. I've I've said that before. He like I really I really like him as a player. I thought he was yeah. excellent. You know, near the end of his career, I thought, mm, you know, there's some times where we needed somebody to hit a home run, and you know, Buster's kind of flailing one out into right center field with uh, you know, not 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 a great swing. Uh, but we know that his position, he had a lot of injuries, and similarly to Will Clark, his power numbers went down. As he as he got a little bit older, uh, but this year, this season that I'm looking at was one of the all time greatest seasons in Giants history. I think 2012. It is the season after this guy like tears every possible ligament in his knee, getting drilled because what is that dude's name who took his head off? I forget. Mm. I forget his name. I try I've not to even remember yeah, who that yeah. dude is who did I've not slide <laughs> at home and decided that he was going yeah. to play football instead of baseball right. uh, in a normal regular season game that wasn't even that important. It was one of 162 games. Buster Posey out for the season. Uh, he only played 45 games in 2011, and that's after the Giants' first World Series championship in, in San Francisco, which was Buster Posey's rookie year. So he misses the rest of the, you know, the hundred and so, you know, some odd game season. And he's just rehabilitating this, this really torn up knee. Now, in most cases, when you tear up your knee in that way, you're probably going to miss a year, a full year, a full calendar yeah. year, maybe even more. So that happens in May. Buster's ready by opening day of the following year. That's now, crazy. Now, he is only 25 years old, so, you know, the, the body is healing pretty quickly there as, as a young man. But he goes on to play 148 games uh, and uh, 610 ABs, 24 jacks, 103 RBI, 336 batting average, uh, 957 OPS, which is ridiculous in the like sort of the non-steroid time of, of baseball like that is like you know upper echelon stuff he wins the mvp the only 
MVP of his career. And really the only time he was in the top five of the MVP, he was, uh, you know, he finished 11th in the MVP voting his rookie year. <laughs> like, Did he? Oh my like, gosh. Like how? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand uh, that. In 108 games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the following year, 2013, the Giants are not good. He's uh, finishes 20th in the MVP voting. The 2014, they win another championship. He finishes sixth. He also finished ninth, 14th. And then the last year of his career, which we were like so surprised that he retires. He finishes 21st in the MVP Giants win 107 games in regular season. So Buster's not, you know, but we, we just saw Joe Maurer get elected into the hall of fame. And I think he paved the way for Buster to also get in to the hall of fame. Buster, obviously with the three world series titles should kind of be higher than Joe Maurer, but Joe Maurer had some like crazy hitting seasons in, in his early career as a Minnesota Twins catcher. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I think I picked this one, obviously they win the World Series. They come back in St. Louis, and then they go into, you know, they have that Detroit series where Detroit's like heavily favored. Everybody picks Detroit except for maybe like one of the of the media. It's like <laughs> 30 to 1 or something like that when they're predicting the World Series. But also... I did get a chance to attend game one, which is the Pablo Sandoval three home run yes. game where Justin Verlander, you just see him mouthing like just in disbelief that Pablo <laughs> continues to go deep on him. So that season in of itself is, is pretty magical. If you think about it, um, the way that they came back instance against Cincinnati down to zero, uh, the way that they came back down three to one against St. Louis, you had rally Zito, you had rally enchiladas. That was a pretty special season. Yeah. They were, uh, I, you know, probably I, I thought I, I would say it was probably their best out of the teams in the, in that year, but they kind of underperformed in, in, in the playoffs a little bit. I thought like, I thought they should have done a little bit better, but they came back to win. So that, that was kind of important, but I think, that is my that is my number one because they won the World Series. I didn't have to see them, you know, lose some of these games. But number two to me, if I was to pick a season and not worry about the postseason, it would have been 93 bonds because that was like something we'd never seen in our life as Giants fans, right? Right. It was just unbelievable to have the single best player offensively and defensively and speed and like all eyes on us, like just because he came to the giants, like all of a sudden we were like a national team that everyone wanted to keep their eye on, whether they liked us or they hated us. That was a moment. And, and Barry's yeah. entire stay with the giants was kind of like that. So you just felt like, man, you know, it's us against the world. And this was not that this was, I think where we were kind of like a little bit like the dandy because some of the players that we had, but I think, yeah, that's the season as much as that, you know, I would have loved to to take a Brandon belt season, but you know, Buster was Buster was the man back then. And, and you kind of have to go with that. So that's mine. That is uh, Buster Posey 2012. That was absolutely a special season. Um, 
for me, it's always going to be 2010 is the best of the three. My favorite of the three. Not the most the wild, the like yeah, ridiculous, yeah. like, can you believe this is happening kind of season. Yeah, exactly. Especially after going through 2006, 7, 8, 9, all of that stuff. You, you know what else um, is special about that 2010? Lincecum was shitty that entire season. <laughs> yes. And then he's able to pitch the last game. Right. Yes. And he, he's great in that last game that like oh, yeah. really made you feel good. Yeah, for sure. And then that, and then that game against the Braves where you're just like, who this guy. Yeah. 14 strikeouts yeah. or whatever. It was. Yeah, exactly. I, I have yeah. that game. I bought it off of iTunes oh, at nice. some point, but I think it's been so long. Like iTunes, doesn't work the same. So I don't even know if I have that still. I don't even know if I have that on the download. I think, let's see, I've got the 2010 Blu-ray right here. I don't know. I, Is that game as like a added extra I, on the Blu-ray? You know, I don't know. It says, I'm so damn old, man. I can't see anything. <laughs> um, let's see. Bonus footage includes This Week in Baseball, Buster Posey, Giants Clinch NL West Division Final Out, NLDS game five, last out. NLCS game one, Cody Ross home runs. NLCS game six, Juan Uribe home run. NLCS game six, last out. World Series game one, Juan Uribe home run. And then it goes on. There's like highlight, like a highlight. So they don't have like full games. No, but you could at one time, you could buy the entire 2010 world series Mm -hmm. on dvd it was put out by major league baseball i'm not sure if that's still on uh, ebay anymore but at one point it was only like 30 bucks and i just never pulled the trigger on it and i'm not sure why you know Um, apple has that relationship with major league baseball I know they have like some special games as a part of the uh, Apple TV Major League Baseball package. Like I've I've been able to watch some random games that right, you know that that were on there. But you would think that they would just put like all the World Series games up, just be like, come on, oh yeah, okay, here we go, eight DVDs plus NLCS games four and six. Uh, and all of the games, all five World Series games with alternate Giants radio network and oh, so you get Kruk and Kipe. Exactly, you get Kruk, Kipe, um, Fleming, and uh, John Miller because I think all four of them did it because none of them were on TV. So all four of them actually did the games. But yeah, they're all here. All of the games, thirty-five bucks on eBay. Brand new, That's still sealed. I gotta pull the trigger. And there's also a 2012. Uh, and that one is twenty two ninety nine. Wow, that's that's not bad at all. That's only yeah, four games. Uh, correct, but they do have the bonuses in because see they had to throw bonuses in here. So they've got uh, National League Championship Series Game Five, National League Division Series Game Five. So the game against the Reds where Posey uh, hits Latos into next season. Uh, just knocks them out. Um, and then baseball's greatest games. The Oh, so it's got the 2012. It's got uh, Matt Cain's perfect game on here as well, the entire game. Uh, and then a bonus DVD with a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, pretty awesome. I'm going to have to spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so uh, there you go. 
We'll have one more. Uh, we'll have one more relive. It's relive week on BSPN. Hopefully with the Warriors, uh, if I can get the if I can get Ben to to join me this week, and then we can finish off the uh, the thing. It's been fun to kind of like just go back, and it made me oh, think yeah. like we could kind of do some themed weeks in in slow time. So yeah, absolutely. That, that will be uh, you know I'll have to think of some like just to kind of think about the past or whatever. Because for the Warriors. It's probably got to be Steph Curry 2015 when they win the championship. But there's a little bit of like, we believe Warriors with Baron Davis. There's a, that was fun. I remember we had just, so what year was that? Like 20, it was like 2007, I think. Yeah. Cause we were, I think we were in this house that we're in now. We'd only been here a couple of years. And I think we had, we already had our first kid, but she was young. So I remember watching those games on the treadmill while I was working out and stuff in the house in the evenings. And, and those were fun. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. We are done here. So we will be back uh, with hopefully some actual news as we get come on Scott for... Boris. It's all on Scott Boris now. Yeah, man. We're a couple weeks away from spring training. So we'll have to think of some topics for next week to kind of uh, get us ready to be in the mood for baseball again. It's coming yeah. so, so fast. So for Brad, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.